hell can you reach a million dollars in your business and still not feel good enough? The feeling good enough part, I'm sure we've all felt when maybe we've actually achieved something that's actually pretty damn awesome. And yet we still doubt ourselves. Well, today, me and my girl, Amy Porterfield, dive deep on how us women keep falling for this. And when I say falling, I mean it is embedded in who we are. Now, that isn't a reason for us just to accept it. How do we start to unwire it? If you don't know who my girl Amy Porterfield is, then she's an ex-corporate girl turned multi-million dollar entrepreneur. And she's literally spent her entire career helping other women through her podcast, where she's got over 34 million downloads, where people are turning to her every single day to hear the tips and tactics on how the hell we stop the imposter syndrome, on how the hell, even when you don't feel good enough, you're still able to show up and freaking crush it. So that's where we go today, guys. We talk about how on earth we can do it scared. And we discuss the blatant, honest question that I think all of us just need to answer. And that is, if you're willing to burn it all down to get what you freaking want, why aren't you doing it? All right, now if you want to know how to answer it, keep listening. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So I was looking to a man to save me because in the back of my mind, I'm like, this isn't going to work. And then what's behind what if this doesn't work is what will people think? I took the business I'd started from scratch that was on the cusp of experiencing a million dollar year and I gave 50% of it to someone I barely knew because he said he saw promise in me. Oh, yes. I mean, that was hard for me to write. The whole chapter about being in a partnership and getting out of the partnership, it was the story I didn't want to tell Mm -hmm. because it felt embarrassing that here I am almost making a million bucks. And that's like such a huge goal as an entrepreneur. Things are going really well. And I still don't believe in myself. And I think there's women watching right now that they're like, I get it. Like I've had all these great accomplishments, but I still don't trust that I could go out on my own and make something happen. Yeah. It's very real. All right. So now that we've established it's really freaking real, yeah. it can happen to anyone, even if someone is as beautifully successful as you. Now let's talk about how to unboss. Yes. Because this moment, that very thing, I think is the thing that if we can figure out now, women are able to really lean into themselves and yes. figure out what their future looks like. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So this concept of unbossing yourself, again, it's you believing that you are capable of leading yourself no matter what. Even if you don't have a proven track record yet, something in you, that knowing is like, I could do this myself. And so unbossing looks like getting out there, making the mistakes, getting back up and proving to yourself, oh, I can stumble and fall and still get back up. Figuring things out that you have no clue what to do. I mean, you know this, uh, having your own business, many times we're guessing, right? We're (laughs) like, I think this could work. I hope this could work. I have no idea. But the more you do that, the more you make a decision, whether it's right or wrong, and you keep going, you course correct, you fix, you start to build up an armor of like, oh, I can actually fix things when they don't work. I could troubleshoot my way out of anything. So let me, let's get really practical. Mm. So you wake up in the morning and you're like, 
Uh, there's no way I can quit my nine to five job. There's no way I can go out on my own. I don't know enough. I've never done this before. And then one of the things you can do is you look around at all these women you admire. You know, I used to do this when I was first starting out. I look at their business. I see what they're doing. And I really do tell myself every day, if they can do it, so can I. I don't make excuses for them like, well, she had this or she didn't. No, I don't ever go there. If she can do it, so can I. But let me tell you a quick story. When I was still at my nine to five job, I truly was terrified to leave. Like I I had a plan. I was going to leave in one year, but I was terrified that I could actually make this work. So there was this woman online that was building a business similar to the one that I wanted. She had digital courses. She had a mastermind. She was on social media. She had a business model I loved. And so I DM'd her out of the blue and I said, I know you don't offer this, but can I pay you to get on a phone call with you and ask you all the questions about your business? I'm really curious how you've done it. I want something similar. Can I pay you? And she said, absolutely. So one day at lunch when I was still in my nine to five job, I got under my desk because the walls were thin. And I thought, if anyone hears me, I'm so afraid I'm going (laughs) to lose my job if they know I plan to leave in a year. So I hid under my desk and I'm like, so tell me all about your business. Like, what do you do? How did you do it? And this is what I love about women. She shared everything. Mm -hmm. She didn't gatekeep anything. And it was, it was my first time that I thought, okay, I can figure this out. There's a roadmap out there. So essentially I used her roadmap to get started. And I think that is absolutely the way you do it. You get into action. So to answer your question, you do it scared. You do it even though you don't believe in yourself. Action creates clarity. It's essential. Oh man, I freaking love that. I want to push back a little though on something you just said. I want to live in a world that every woman's got your back. I know. But it's not true. It's not true. So you will find your people, right? Yes. Me and you, girl. Yes. But what if in that exact situation, so you're like, okay, I'm going to reach out to someone, this female, and let's say she's a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> right? I love that we're just going there. Yes. <laughs> she totally could be. She could be like, I'm not sharing that. And now someone that may have just found the courage to reach out to this female, now they feel even less than. Yes. How do we prevent that from derailing us? Okay, so you're in this moment. This woman says, no, I'm not going to share the secrets of my business. Or even says it worse, not even that blatant. Like, ah, I don't think you're good enough. I don't think you're ready. Ooh. You don't have the skill sets. Okay. And go. <laughs> so in the moment, you mm. have to let yourself feel that. That's going to feel really upsetting. Mm. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to feel like you're not worthy. Like these things are real. They come up all the time. Even 14 years later, I deal with this. So first you feel it and you, you, you take it all in. The next thing you do is you look for evidence that there could be a different truth here. Okay. You start looking for, I'm going to find a different reality because I'm, I refuse to believe that I am not worthy of this. So you start seeking out those opportunities and you try again. And that next thing might still not be as good, mm. but here's what I talk about this in the book. We always have to come back to our why. So when I was going out on my own, I hit wall after wall, but I knew something that was deeper than all of the fears. I didn't want a boss. I didn't want to work for someone else. I didn't want to be told what to do, when to do, or how to do it. I didn't want to be on someone else's time or someone else's dime. So that was my why. It was very clear. So when the door got shut, 
no, I'm not going to share my business with you or no, you're not good enough. All the things I remember in my last nine to five job, someone told me you are not a marketer, Amy, which (laughs) I was going out to be a marketer. And I'm like, so that's going to happen. But you look elsewhere for the evidence that you are good enough, that this will work. And that means you keep putting yourself out there. It's the scariest thing you've ever done. But what they say about entrepreneurship is that if you want amazing personal growth, become an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. right? You have to work on yourself every single day. So it really comes down to feeling it, validating, yeah, I feel like crap right now. This totally sucks. And go look for evidence of something else that is true because you're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe that you are not worthy or not good enough. There's there's no time for that. Mm. So what if, though, in that moment, you aren't actually good enough, though? How do you become sober about admitting what you're good at and not good at? And then how do you pivot? Because right now there are people that may like, I want to be like Amy. I want to have my own business, but maybe they're not good enough yet. And I actually say that with the utmost compassion so that they can get good. But I do worry that they hear that and now they don't start. Okay. It's all about resourcefulness. This is something that when Mm -hmm. I used to work for Tony Robbins, this is the biggest lesson I took away from that. He taught us that you have to be resourceful in everything you do, meaning there is always an answer. Marie Forleo, everything is figure outable, Mm -hmm. right? And so in that moment, yet you're right. Someone listening right now, they're not necessarily maybe equipped to do what you and I are doing just yet. But there are digital courses out there. There are podcasts. There are books. There are masterminds. There are things that they can get involved in from the get-go to get the knowledge they need. All you have to be is resourceful. You don't need to be more talented or smarter than any of us. You have to just be willing to go find the answers. When I was first starting out, I was still in my nine to five job and I joined a mastermind. It was a women's mastermind. It was $17,000 that I did not have. So I had to do the monthly payment plan. Mm. And if you've ever wanted to see someone hustle, it was during that time when I'm like, I can't afford this. So I better make a little extra money every single month to afford it. But what I wasn't equipped, I wasn't ready to go out on my own. So I got the education that I needed. Mm. That's what I mean by being resourceful. I love that. And did you put that plan in place? So you'd mentioned earlier that you were on your way out. So, you know, you'd made the the year plan. I freaking love that. I really want people to hear that because it is never an overnight thing. And sometimes people are like, I just have to pull off the Band-Aid. And sometimes that may be a bad idea. Maybe you need the year to plan like you did. Yes. Um, And then going under the desk, having those secret calls, I freaking love that. (laughs) What were those next steps for you to then actually be able to go from the nine to five to now taking that leap? Because I've heard you say the thing that keeps so many of us from trying something is the safety feeling. And you say security, a security mindset dims our light. Absolutely. The more safe you need to be, the more you will play small. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so we all have what I call like this shield of insecurity where we're going to put up a shield to stay safe. It might be staying in the job that you do not love. Many people listening right now do not love their nine to five job, but it's safe, pays the bills. It may mean that you're staying with a partner that you know you shouldn't be with, but it's all you know. It's how you know how to navigate life. So you're going to stay with this partner that is not good for you. It might mean that you are addicted to something, whether it be food or alcohol or whatever it might be, that's your safety net. So we all have a safety net. 
And what I always tell my students is until you're willing to let go of that safety net, you will always be playing small. So for me, I think my safety net was absolutely my nine to five job. I knew how to navigate it. I was actually a really good corporate girl. I I like to get like the promotions and the raises and the regular paychecks and the paid vacation. I liked the security of all of that, but I had to tap into something I call the capacity for zero. So here's the, here's the concept here. If you want something really bad, whether it's you want to leave your nine to five job and start your own business, or maybe it's something totally different, but you have to have a high capacity for zero, meaning you're willing at any time to start over. So when I was in that partnership, I wanted to get out of it. And he was a great partner. It was all me. I just, I didn't navigate it well. I needed it out of the partnership. So one day I realized, oh, my capacity for zero is very high. I will burn this down and build it back up if I have to, to get my business back to just be for me. Mm -hmm. And so people listening, Mm -hmm. what are you willing to burn down and build back so that you can create the life that you absolutely want? You have to have a capacity for zero. Oh, I love that notion so much. And I assume that that really has to intersect with your why then. Yes, exactly. You get really clear on what you want and why you want it. And now let me ask you, are you willing to burn down what you have now to get to what you want? You're absolutely right. So it always comes back to our why. Yeah, I I love that. You need something to pull you through those moments that are really difficult, moments that you may not be enjoying because let's face it, entrepreneurship isn't always fun. No, no, it is. Some days are so hard. I can't even tell you. Like some days I am down on my knees wanting to cry. Like, what am I doing? I don't have the answers. I'm so scared. Even 14 years in, in a multi-million dollar business. Absolutely. But this is what I always say. The worst day as an entrepreneur is still better than the best day in your nine to five job. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is you are free. You are not building somebody else's dream. You are not asking for a paid vacation or asking for a raise. You literally are calling the shots. Mm. And that's why I'm obsessed with more women getting in the game because the sky's the limit when it comes to how much money you can make and how much impact you can make. Mm. I can't say that with a nine to five job. Ooh, that's strong. There was another part though, as you were talking, I was like, wow, this is a really strong piece. As you were saying, you know, you were trying to leave, you know, your corporate job yeah. and you, you're you a great corporate girl. I think yes. you even refer to yourself as you love the promotions. And there's an element of validation there. Oh, let's talk about this. Absolutely. So I loved to get promotions. I love to be told what to do and then I would do it even better than they expected so that they'll say, good job, Amy, you did great. And that comes from my childhood. I've always wanted my dad's validation. And so I I grew up wanting his validation and then I wanted my boss's validation. Mm -hmm. And, And I saw a pattern. And then you become your own boss and no one's validating you, yeah. right? If anything, they're bashing you over totally. the head. <laughs> you get your first negative comment online and you're like, what did I do wrong? Yeah. yeah. And so that's the thing. Being an entrepreneur, it's almost like the, until you really make it, it's like the opposite of validation. People are going to tell you all the reasons why this won't work. Actually, that reminds me. So when I was thinking about leaving my nine to five job, I only told three people, my husband, my mom, who thinks I could like, do anything in the whole world. <laughs> Gotta love the mom, right? And then my best friend. And I didn't tell anybody else because I knew if I told somebody else and they told me the reasons why this will never work, because I got out of my job during the last recession. So there was a terrible time, mm-hmm. terrible time to leave, but it really wasn't. But 
If someone told me, Amy, don't do that, that's so risky, here's why, I would have believed them. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important when you go after your dreams, whether it's leaving your job or something else, be careful who you tell. Not everybody deserves to hear about your dreams. Oh, God, I... They can't hold it. They can't They can't hold that space for you. Go. it's so damn powerful. I love that you said that. And I really want people to pay attention to that because there is that element. It doesn't mean that you're weak, but it absolutely means you can get derailed by someone else's opinions. Yes. Now, look, I actually wish I was stronger so that I could tell everybody. Same. But the truth is I'm not. And so when I was deciding to not have children, that was exactly what I did. I was like, I can't tell people right now because I need to process it. I need to get confident. I need to believe in my decision. So hold heart wholeheartedly that if someone comes to me and challenges me, I'm still very confident in my decision. Okay. This is good. The fact that you were still working it out. So you knew that you could not take outsiders opinions or thoughts. Uh, You and I both have that in common. I've also never had a child and I chose not to. I have a stepson that Mm -hmm. I love dearly, but um, that was another decision. You're right. Because when people started to ask me, are you having kids? And I would say, I've chosen not to. There was a lot that came with that. Mm-hmm. And if I had shared that too early, uh, I probably would be holding a baby right now because I would I would have caved. I didn't know. It's so important to know what you stand for and who you are before you put yourself out there and allow other people to have opinions. Yeah. Now when they have opinions, I'm very clear who I am. When I wasn't very clear, I could crumble like that. Oh my God. Yeah. Especially when it's people that you love. Yes. But it's like... Literally, my mom was in tears when I told her that I wasn't going to have children. So you can imagine yeah. the person, apart from my husband, that means like the the biggest like world to me. Yes, I'm breaking her heart. Oh. Like, dude, that would that would absolutely derail me in my decision. So yes. I knew I couldn't say anything until I had decided. But there's something that you say in your book was actually a little controversial. To me, it was Ooh. controversial. I was okay. like, I got to talk to you about this. I'm ready. You. You even said when you're doing this, when you're starting to plan to get out, like, you know, if you've been stuck, if you're really struggling, you finally like got out. Yes. You've got your plan together. Don't tell many people. And then you say, even if it's your spouse. I know. I and knew, I was like, I knew that was coming. oh, my okay. God, Amy, yes. are you telling me to lie to my spouse? Okay. But let's talk about it. <laughs> and what's really cool, I love that you brought this up. And you and I both have beautiful marriages. Yeah. So the thought of not yes. getting our spouse involved. Okay. So here's, okay, here's, yes, here's <laughs> what I mean. All right. So let's say you go to your spouse. I think you have to talk to your spouse about it. But you go to your spouse and you say, I want to leave my job. And here's what I'm thinking. And they're like, no, no, no. Maybe start a hobby or something. But our family can't help do that. What if it doesn't work? We've got to put food on the table. The spouse, it's not that they don't believe in you. It's that they're very afraid that their whole world is going to change. And that is fair. And so they're going to have their own insecurities and fears. So what I say in the book is, I really do think you have to tell your spouse. Now, in the beginning, maybe if you're not making any moves, maybe for like the first three months, you're going to put together a plan and you don't tell anyone. I could support that all day Mm. long. But there's going to be a point that you're going to have to tell your loved one, "Uh, I'm thinking about leaving this job. But what if you do and they say, absolutely not. Do not leave. You cannot do this. Here's all the reasons why. Where it gets controversial in the book is I say, do it anyway. Yeah. And the reason I believe that is because 
you will always regret not going after your dreams. And if it means that there's going to be some friction, God forbid, with you and your your partner for a time being until they see it finally work. So I've got this one student and she started um, investing in properties and doing Airbnbs, like luxury Airbnbs. But she's a pharmacist. So that was her nine to five job. And so she told her husband, I want to leave and do this. And he's like, huh, that's a cute hobby. Like, no way. You're a pharmacist. You make good money. You cannot leave. So she started quietly working on it for the next few months, got it to a point that it was making great money. And she came to him and she said, I'm leaving my job. I'm doing this. But he started to see that it actually started to come together. And he's like, damn, that's actually really great. He didn't get it before, but she finally got him to see. But sometimes it takes money. Sometimes they need to see the money come in. Mm. They need to see it kind of come into action. You're going to have to be patient with your spouse. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with highs as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is a negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about. That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. I, can we go deeper on this? Yes. All right, go. Because again, I go to what are the things that really hold women up specifically? And there's there's so many nuances to what you're saying that is really interesting to me. One of them is, is that like, I can't even imagine a world where I would 
lie or hide something from my husband. I don't want no, you no, to no, lie no, or no. hide. I actually hear what you're saying. Okay. There's moment where I'm just like, if I'm doing this behind his back, or like I'm just showing him, it makes me feel like I'm not, I'm hiding it. Fair. Me. But at the same time, if you're in a relationship, I think we all understand the word resentment. Yes. And if I can actually see your point, if you tell them and they're acting out of fear, not that they don't love you because I'm, I'm trying to give the person the grace that of course totally. they love you, they want good things for you. Assuming that. Okay. So assuming your partner wants good things for you and they come to you and they're like, but what about the family? What about the roof? Like, it's just the fear talking. Yes. I can actually see that if you go to them too soon, you don't have the strength to have that conversation. I don't want to say argument, to have that conversation, which then leads you to being quiet. And now you end up resenting them for it. Right. So I see both things. Yes. It's, like, it's can be really challenging. You're right. Now they don't want you to go out on your own. You're ready to do it. And you're pissed because you're like, thanks for nothing. Yeah. So there's a lot of navigating. That's the thing that, or another reason I wrote the book two weeks notice, there's a lot of navigating from deciding you want your own thing mm. to actually making mm -hmm. it happen. And I actually put scripts in the book about how to talk to a partner about this because it's such a big thing. Yeah. And so I do all I can to help navigate this. But some people, this is why I love your show, it's real. Some women will get to the point that their partner is just never gonna get on board. And you that's where I'm like, w either you resent them the rest of your life or you go through a rough patch where you just do it anyway and, and you say, watch me. Mm. And that's like the energy I want these women that are reading my book to feel like when someone doesn't believe in them, watch me. Yeah. I'll show you. I do think we need that as female entrepreneurs. Also, there's that moment in this situation that we're talking about where maybe the spouse doesn't support you. And no matter yeah. how much you've tried, no matter how much, like just thinking about my own sake, right? I go to my husband, I'm like, I'm unhappy. For eight years, and this is actually true, right? For eight yes. years, I've supported you. I've put clothes out for you. I've cooked for you and I freaking hate it. Babe, I love you more than life itself. <laughs> But I hate cooking, right? Yes. And so being able to articulate to my husband that I was miserable, the, mis the misery was my own doing yes. based on choices I made. But babe, I'm unhappy and I've got to change. Now, in that moment, I have thought back. And if he said, I still want you to cook and clean. What would you have done? I think that might have been the death of our relationship. Exactly. Because in that moment, you feel like, I told him I was going to be a stay-at-home wife in a way. I've been doing it for eight years. I'm the one changing. I could have probably convinced myself to keep yeah. doing it. But resentment just builds and builds and it builds. Does. And I think what would have ended up happening is it probably wouldn't have happened right away. It may have happened, this was what, year eight? It may have happened year 12. But I don't think a relationship can survive if you're trying to put your relationship as equals, as important, but also trying to put your needs high up there and I think that that's where a lot of us women get trapped is that we don't put our needs up there which is yeah. why we don't ask for things which is why we end up staying in relationships that may not end up serving us yes because we've always just relinquished um to what the other person wants absolutely and again it comes down to that resentment and so there's also something about, let's say you want to do something and those in your life do not support you doing it and you're going to do it anyway. 
When you come out the other end, I'm going to tell you right now, that kind of confidence is unshakable. Mm. I have done things in my business that I thought I could absolutely never do. And it gives me the confidence to go through new things that are very scary to me. So you won't even recognize yourself. If you are, God forbid, if you get into a situation that you want to do something, your spouse does not support it, you do it anyway, and there's friction for a while, but you will come out the other end as long as you don't give up you will not be the same woman Mm. at all. And you will just be a better version of yourself. So there is a silver lining when you don't get the support because you more Mm. are just like a tiger. Like I'm going to prove everyone wrong. Sometimes we need some of that energy. So there could be some good that comes of it, but dang, it's rocky in the middle. I totally get that. Yeah, and that's why I really appreciated the fact that you... Like, it was one of those moments where when I read it, you're like, just don't tell him. I was like, oh my gosh, she said okay. it. I sat there. I remember <laughs> writing the chapter and I sat there like, I cannot say that. I cannot. And it was hard for me because I had a husband who supported me what? on day one. What? So I wasn't even in that situation. But I looked at my students. So many of the women in mm. my my community do not have supported spouse, supportive spouses, unfortunately. And I think of them and I think of Emily and Jane and San, Sammy and I think... They did it anyway. I know it can be done and their lives are better for it. And their kids see their moms crush it. There's something big. Even though you and I don't have our own children, we know how powerful that Mm -hmm. is to have these, especially I have um, a gal on my team. Her name is Jaws. It's a nickname, but we love Jaws. And her, she just became my CEO. And her little girl, Sienna, who's two, said, Mommy, you're a CEO. And she said, I am. And she said, can Sienna be a CEO? She's like, yes. That's the stuff I live for when the kids see their moms doing big things. Yeah. And so thank you for that. And then putting it in the book was so eye-opening and um, just very honest. Because I do think about these pivotal moments in our lives. And there's so many of us that want to have a beautiful relationship. And so I never want to shy away from talking about that. But also at the same time, what traps us? I don't, again, I'm not, never, never blaming the man, to be honest. I'm more kind of like our choices that we make. Yes. Yes. And so in these moments where we talk about, especially these days where it's like, you can be your own boss. You can freaking step up to the plate, homie. Like you can be the damn hero of your own life. Yes. Right. But like, what are these things that trap us? It's the things that maybe we want. We want the freedom of our career and we want a beautiful relationship. And sometimes when those two may show up and in conflict, yep. a lot of us may choose the relationship. And so the fact that you laid that out, it just gives someone almost takes off the blinders of what that knock-on effect could look like. Yes. It could literally be the difference between your ultimate happiness or not. Because what, you're going to stay in a relationship and not go after your dreams. Where is the happiness going to come from that? So I absolutely agree. And I love that you've touched on something a few times that I'm so glad you did. It's not the man. Mm. I love men. Mm. I love working with men. Uh, Tony Robbins was great to me. I have a good relationship now with my dad. It took a little while. And I've had some other great male bosses. And my business partner that I got out of the partnership with, he was incredibly strategic and smart. The common denominator of all of those was me not being confident in myself, me thinking that he was going to save the day. And I think it came down to, I was so afraid of what if it doesn't work? So I was looking to a man to save me because in the back of my mind, I'm like, this isn't going to work. And then what's behind, what if this doesn't work is what will people think? 
So I think if you sum up my whole experience as a corporate girl into entrepreneurship, the biggest fear that has been a through line is, what will people think if I fail or if I crash and burn? I still deal with that today, 14 years in. It's in the back of my mind when I try new things and do new things, like even putting this book out there. What if it's not the success that I think it could be? What will people think of me? But here I am. I wrote the book. I'm promoting it. I'm on your show because even if they think, oh my gosh, she's a loser, um, the people that have opinions about your business, but they're not in your business, they're not paying the bills. They don't get an opinion Mm. on what you do. So I had to stop letting people have opinions when I don't even know who they are. They're strangers (laughs) on the internet. So anyway, this whole idea of what will people think comes down to just being so scared that you're not enough. And, and, and I know your show really taps into helping women realize their worth no matter what. Mm-hmm. You exist, you are worthy, period. Fuck yeah, girl. Yeah. Um, how the hell then did you pivot by going, you said earlier, right? I was a person that absolutely was seeking validation oh, always. in the corporate world to being the person now that can write a book going, I don't know, it's going to work, but I'm going to give it a shot. Yes. Like, this is the juice right here, girl. Yes. What are the, the key things that people, that you've adopted to allow yourself to go from that to where you are now? Okay. The biggest thing was taking action, it not working, and getting back up. That is the only reason I have so much confidence in what I do. I believe I can do anything. I believe I can figure anything out in my business. That's a very big statement to say from a girl that was terrified to go out on her own, uh, hated getting on video. I <laughs> In the early years, I never got on video. It was terrifying. <laughs> Care deeply about what everybody thinks. But what I did is I got very clear on my why. Remember, I didn't want a boss. I wanted lifestyle freedom more than anything. And so every time I did something and it didn't work, like, one of my first launches, like when I started my own business, I made $267. I thought it was going to make a hundred thousand bucks. So yeah, I literally thought it was going to be a hundred thousand dollar launch. It was 267 bucks. It was huge failure. And so I had all the emotions, all the fears. What if I have to go grovel back for my job? I went through all of it Mm. for about a week. And then luckily my sweet husband's like, we got to get this together. You need to shower. You need to pull yourself (laughs) together. This isn't a good look for you. And so it was getting back up. And the next launch I did, I think I made $10,000. It wasn't like millions or anything, but it's, it's proving to yourself that you can get back up when you get knocked down is the only way I know to find confidence. It literally, that has been it for me. And I know for much of your story as well, like crashing and burning and getting back up. Like literally, if people could honestly really hear that, go. When people say, what is your superpower? I yeah. say, it's getting back up. I love I that. Know time yes. I mess up I'm incompetent most of the time I'm Same. insecure I'm, like so when you think about all of these things and yet I still have achieved what I've achieved the truth is is that when I get punched in the face I heal the wound and then I mean obviously yes. metaphorically and I just go okay make sure next time you look out for that right hook yes like let's not do that again and you might feel embarrassed you might feel oh, like yes. so frustrated feelings aren't going to kill you and that's another thing you just got to feel it and then just be like, what's next? And I always say, what's next is better. So when a door gets closed for me, when something doesn't work out, I've 2021 was a year in business that I did not like. I left and right things were not working out for me. And I in my mind I kept saying, what's next is better. 2022 was an amazing year because I believed that it was coming. I really did know that. So I think it's so important that I love that's your superpower. I get back up. You cannot lose. 
You cannot lose with that superpower. Yeah. And anyone can harness a superpower like that. And and there's the element of when I tell myself I'm not good enough, I don't hold my identity to it. Right? I hold my identity to being the person that gets back up. So every time I fail, if someone was to, which used to be the fear, right? Everyone would mock me. Yes. That would be the fear. Like, oh, see, I told you you wouldn't be able to uh, do it. Or the people you knew in the past at your like old job, especially yes. having Quest under my belt. Mm. So like going from Quest now being in front of the camera, it's like, well, what if, what if I tank? What if I don't do well? And that narrative is precisely the thing that can end up holding ourselves back. But if I go, will I fail? But did you learn from it? Yes, amazing. Now I don't, I keep leaning into trying the things. Um, And this validation piece, like you were saying, being able to say I was the person that used to absolutely pride myself on being the person that was getting the pat on the back. And now you saying where you are now in approaching your book with fear, I think is beautiful because people need to hear that. And when you need that moment of jolt forward, if you're scared, if you're worried, what if I fail? Being able to say, well, Amy tried it with her book. So if Amy tried it, you said it earlier, right? If someone else can do it, then so can I. Amen. Look for proof everywhere. There is proof that you can fail. There's proof that you can succeed. It is everywhere. Whatever you want it to look like. Yeah. So I'm just constantly looking at like, oh, she did it. Okay, I can do it. Oh, look what I did. I took this baby step. I could take a bigger step. Look for the proof. Yeah, I love that. And then one other thing that literally made me laugh out loud in your book was when you said, you're not for everyone, boo. Oh, geez. This is a hard lesson for me to learn. So when I first started to put myself out there, it was very vanilla. I wouldn't really put a stake in the ground either way. And then I realized I'm going to get lost in the sea of online craziness, Mm. right? I've got to be known for something. I've got to put my opinions out there. So I started to be more vocal. And then there's this one guy online that he's like, you are wrong about that marketing strategy or something. And then other people chimed in and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going down. I think it was three people. But in my mind, <laughs> oh, three million people in came after me. It sounds like there's like hundreds of thousands I of know. people. I think it was three people. And so I called up my good friend Jasmine and I said, oh my gosh, I'm getting attacked online. I'm so nervous. Should I delete the comments? What do I do? Which you never delete the comments. And I've learned that. And she right away, she's like, you're not for everyone, boo. Like, you're not Santa Claus. Everyone doesn't love you or is going to. Like, that's not how the world works. And it was the best lesson I ever got because I don't like everyone. So why do I think everyone's <laughs> going to like me? But I had to learn that early on because when you try to please everyone and no matter what you're doing, you will literally water down your message so much mm. that you won't even recognize yourself. Yeah. Um, what about if the thing that is holding you back is you yourself? You talk about very eloquently about self-sabotage and yeah. so many of us do it yeah. without even acknowledging or realizing that we actually self-sabotage. Uh, I do it all the time, actually. I still do it to today, but I catch it faster. That's the beauty of experience. You're still going to have the mistakes. You're going to have the fear. You're going to have all the feelings, but you catch it faster and you bounce back. And with this one, I still see it come up, but I could bounce back. And here's what it looks like for me. Can you explain the yes. definition of self-sabotage yes. as well? I love so this. With, with the idea of self-sabotage is that you do something great. You have an accomplishment. You win in one way or another. And you instantly think it's either going to be taken away or you don't deserve it or it was a fluke or something's going to happen. And this used to happen to me all the time. I remember my first $30,000 launch, which feels like so much money. I'd never seen that much money in a short period of time in my life. I made $30,000. I remember telling my husband, it was so exciting. And the next thought was something bad's going to happen. I just had something really good happen to me. The other shoe's going to drop. 
This was so normal in my head. And what it comes down to is I did not believe I was worthy of that success. So when you see yourself sabotaging, believing that you don't deserve it, it's going to go away, it was a fluke, anything like that, it is about your worthiness. Mm. Because I know that you've worked a lot on your worthiness, and I know you believe you are worthy of greatness. When good things happen to you now, are you able to sit in that greatness and and feel it? Oh, that's a good question. I think only if I've earned it. Like Ooh, if something, what's that about? When would you not earn it? Oh, I think there's many times that something is just like comes to you, like as a gift or like. Oh. And I'm like, but I didn't do anything to get this, and I think that comes to the the, the um, what is it? Participation trophy? Yes. Hell no. You're not any part I of that. I do not want a participation <laughs> trophy. In fact, I want to sign it around my neck that says loser, just so it stings enough that I learn my lesson. Hey, you are so <laughs> funny like that. But if you do what, whatever works for you, right? Exactly. Now, look, of course, there were moments that if I was very sensitive, I wouldn't put the sign around because I understand that would now become detrimental to my self-esteem. So right. I like to joke, but that, I know myself well enough to know you can't go down this path. I have taught myself to pride myself on things, to work hard and go from zero to a hundred. That I've done the work. And I think that helps me so that I don't expect great things. Just because I've had one success doesn't mean that I deserve another success. Have I worked for it? And so part of me is I have to look at if I've earned it or not. And that's a big thing for me. Okay. Okay. So that makes sense. This this idea that if you've earned it, then you're going to feel really good in it. And I can get behind that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I think a lot of the times something good will happen to us. We're showing up, we're making it happen. We get this thing and then we think like the other shoe's going to drop yeah. because we make some kind of reason in our head why we didn't deserve it or maybe we didn't work hard enough. And we have to catch those really quickly because the long, the quicker you can catch it, the less it's going to happen because if you don't believe you deserve it, I can promise you that you're going to find a way that it's going to get taken away. Mm. It, you know, like you're going to do something that will counteract this goodness that happened. So nowadays, when something really good happens, I first make myself feel the feelings. Like, let's sit in this before we go and do something else. Let's celebrate. Let's feel it. Let's acknowledge it. And then let's look at how I got here to prove to myself, oh, no, I deserve every single bit of this. Let's do more. I have a good friend that always says to the universe, more please. And I love that. It's like, instead of thinking you're going to get it taken away, she's like, no, I I receive that. And I would like more of that, please. I would like to be doing more of that. Oh God, that's a really great way of people to approach things in these moments. As you were talking, I was like, what is it about us? If we achieve something great, we're like, it's been a fluke. It was given to me. But when something crappy happens, we go, see, I knew I was no good. So... True. I know. And I think that's with more women than men. Like when I'm around guys and they do a good job, they take all the credit for it. (laughs) They're like, yes. And I hung the moon. Like if I could have an ounce of that, right? Like they are really good at just owning it. Most men are with women. You're right. It's like, oh, that was a fluke or this might get taken away and then hitting on. But when something bad happens, I could beat myself up for that for, for weeks around it. And that's another thing about playing small. You you beat yourself up. You you go down this rabbit hole. You're not good enough. Look, you always mess it up, whatever it is. I have to catch that really fast as well. So when I see the spiral, I'm like, no, 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 that didn't work. 
Let's go for something else. I have a good friend who says every decision she makes, she does not classify it as good or bad. Mm. She doesn't put those labels on it. She said, I made a decision. And based on that decision, I made another decision, whether to keep going or go a different route. Mm -hmm. And I love taking the stigma out of, am I good? Am I bad? No, I'm just making decisions because that's what I need to do. Mm -hmm. And then you can learn from those decisions. But if you say you're bad, then you start to feel a certain way. Exactly. So let's stop putting uh, labels on the decisions we're making. As uh, anyone who wants to be an entrepreneur, you have to make decisions every single day. So let's just say we're making decisions. We're taking that label off. And depending on where that leads us, we're making a new decision. Mm -hmm. Done. I love that. One of the things that I've also used in these moments that I realized is when things are really bad, it feels like it's going to be like that forever. Forever. And I think that that's the point of when something good happens. We know it won't last. Yes. And so we have this like thing where... um, it almost comes into conflict. The thing that we really love, we're so fearful that we don't get to enjoy it because we know it's going to be, uh, you know, momentary. And the yes. things we freaking hate, we somehow convince ourselves it's going to be like that forever. Right. And so the thing that, you know, the, the wise old saying, this too shall pass, I use it for great things as well. Ooh. And it isn't to make me feel bad. It is to remind myself that I, I shouldn't expect to live here always. Why do I think that when I succeed, when I have these great moments, that that should be my baseline? It's true. It, I, I love that you bring this up. It's not always good. No. It's not always going to be there. So if you're able to be in the suck as well as the good times, if you're able to just to be present, again, you cannot lose. That mm-hmm. is playing the game. That is playing big when you're just here for it all. Mm-hmm. So I love that. I never thought about thinking like when it's really good, like this too shall pass. It feels kind of sad but it's the reality yeah and that's the funny thing when i first thought about it i was like oh that's kind of sad i was like actually it's not i have now lent into the idea that this is so beautiful and they're not always going to come around and so just enjoy it right now because it's going to pass yeah instead of worrying oh my god this isn't going to last i almost go this isn't going to last yes i i know it now so i'm just going to be very present Mm -hmm. when it does Mm -hmm. I think, you know, when I wrote Two Weeks Notice, the the number one goal was to help women realize that there literally is another way out there if they want it. Mm -hmm. And so when we get to talk about these really important mindset shifts, they literally help women see, wait a second, there's another way for me to do life if I want it. Mm -hmm. If I'm stuck, if I'm frustrated, if I'm not loving where I'm at right now, there is an absolutely different way to do it. I didn't know that for so long. When I was in my nine to five job, until I tell the story at the very beginning of the book, there was like one fateful meeting that changed my life. Without that meeting, I didn't know there was a whole other life where I got to call the shots. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about uh, who I wanna serve, it's these women that might not know, oh my gosh, come on in. Like, let us show you that you can literally create a life by your own design. You, Every woman has that capacity. Do you mind sharing that story? Because I think it's super powerful. Okay, so here's what happened. So I was working for Tony Robbins almost seven years as a director of content development. That means like I got to travel the world with Tony and the team and work on this amazing content at his events. So I had a really good job. I got paid well and I got to do cool things. And then one day I was called into a meeting in San Diego and it was this big oak table and all these internet marketers, like uh, business owners were there, all men. And they were in all different walks of life from relationships to investing to real estate, so many different niches. 
I was called to the meeting to take notes. So I was sitting at a side table. Yeah, very humbling. I was sitting at a side table taking notes. And Tony, what I love about him is he does his research and he learns from people that are doing amazing things. So he said, all right, guys, tell me about your businesses. Let me know how you're doing this online marketing thing because he wanted to do more of it. Mm -hmm. And so they went around the table and all I heard was freedom. They got to pick their kids up from school at a certain time. They went on wonderful vacations. They called the shots. They had creative freedom, financial freedom. And I just thought, I don't know what these guys are doing, but I have never had freedom like that in my life. Mm. And it was that one moment. I never thought about being an entrepreneur. I never thought about having my own business. And and what's so crazy is not one woman was represented at that table at the time. Now I think if Tony did it again, there'd be badass women. But many, many years ago, not many women were doing what we're doing today. Mm. And so I thought, I don't see myself at this table, but something inside me tells me there's a different world. And that was my first introduction that there literally is a different life I can create. And that's when I became passionate about helping other women. That's literally why I wrote the book. I love this story so much because you actually said it right at the beginning of the interview where you're like, see someone that's doing it, that gives you the encouragement. But when you don't see it, it takes, I'm just going to be crude a little, it takes freaking balls. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it really does. It does. And then I think about women of color where, uh, you know, men make more money than women in, in the nine to five world. White women make more money than women of color. Women of color make less money. So they're not even seeing themselves mm. in some of the women. Like it's really important that we see ourselves in other people. And so if if this book gets more women, uh, women of all walks of life into entrepreneurship, I want that so bad so these young women can see themselves in so many different ways. So it makes a huge difference. Hell yeah, because your book is so beautifully tactical on how to build your business, what yeah. to look at, how to hold yourself accountable. And So that's why this episode, I really wanted to talk about the things that hold us back from even trying, from even getting started. Because if you're not seeing people out there that are like you, if you've been told your whole life you're not good enough, what on earth is going to give you the encouragement to get freaking started in the first place? Amen. So I think, you know, the bulk of the book is how to start a business from scratch. But the most important part of the book is the stuff we're talking about, like actually finding the courage. And notice I say courage and not confidence. I believe that courage comes way before confidence ever comes. And a lot of women aren't starting something new because they said, I'm not confident enough. Mm. No one has confidence in the beginning. Confidence is, oh, I have a track record, so I have proof that this is going to work. Mm. Courage is, I have no idea, but I want it bad enough. So this book is about helping women find the courage first because we are not waiting for the confidence. Sometimes it doesn't come for many, many years. And even the word courage, though, I love the word. I do too. And so yeah. I'm, I'm so, I find that words matter. Absolutely. I lean into them. I put severe meaning behind them. Yes. And so courage. It makes me feel good about yeah. myself. And when someone else and I go, oh, they were courageous. I want to be courageous. What does courageous look like? What does that look like? Yeah, and like even just saying the words, like repeating the word over and over. I'm like, I really like this word. I want to be courageous. And now you can even see I've embodied a different spirit by just saying the freaking word. Absolutely. But you ask a great question. 
I think every one of us should ask, what does courage look like for me? Mm. Like if I'm going to be courageous, what does that look like? What would I do? So anyone listening right now or watching, ask yourself, like, when was the last time you did something really courageous? I mean, shaking in your boots kind of courageous. I think we need to do more of that because it gets easier. The more you do crazy things, the easier it is to kind of put yourself out there. I love that. Yeah. Um, the thing that you've noticed that really holds us back is the gratitude piece, where you know if you're making a change in your life, for you, you had a great nine to five, you're getting pats on the back, you're working up the corporate ladder. Um, and so as you start to think, well, maybe is this really the life I want? I want to pivot, I want to change, I'm going to go back to zero. What was yeah, the capacity phrase? Capacity for zero. For zero. Yeah. Um, and you have other people that are like, yeah, but you should be grateful. Like, you're uh, earning money. You've got a roof over your head. Like, are you okay. not grateful? And the gratitude piece keeps so many of us stuck. Yes. I, 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 we don't talk about this enough. You're mm. absolutely right. It's this idea that you should be glad ex- from where you're at right now. Yeah. This is a good life. And it could be a good life. I had a really good job and it was very exciting. But I also knew there is more for me. I'm done playing small. And so you have to, you can be grateful, but also want more. You can be grateful and say, I'm so glad this happened in my life. This was a beautiful chapter. Like my my nine to five was a beautiful chapter and I don't live there anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be there. So you can have the best of both worlds. But just being grateful for something doesn't mean you have to stay there. Yeah, it, it's become like, I call it almost like toxic gratitude now. Very much so. Because yes. it really does make you feel bad about asking for more. And I think to your point, you can be absolutely grateful. that You've got a beautiful husband, a great yes. relationship. And at the same time, I want more in my career. I want more in my finances. I want more in X, Y, and Z. And this is something I think we just have to like keep hammering home and like breaking the idea for women that where you are right now, like let's say for instance with kids, right? It's like, you should be grateful you're able to have a child. And it's like, so that means I shouldn't want five children or that means that I shouldn't want kids and a career. Like it ends up holding us back from thinking that we're asking for too much. And then that becomes a narrative, especially for women that we take with us, that women ask for too much. Oh, and that is like, that fires me up right there. I think we're not asking for enough. I think that we need to put it out there. You know, putting this book out into the world I didn't realize I had to ask for so many favors. So this is actually very appropriate in the sense of I have to ask people, can I come on your show? Can I do this? Can I do that? And some people have said no. And that's like, I have to practice what I preach. Okay, what's next is better. But I realized I struggled asking for favors and asking for what I wanted. And for many months leading up to this, Mm -hmm. I didn't do it. And people on my team would be like, have you called this person? Have you done that? I'm like, oh, I just, I don't want to. And I asked myself, why am I so afraid to ask for what I want? And it comes back to, because what if they don't think that I'm good enough to have it? And again, I have to catch myself. So I think it's important to have these conversations to say, you and I have been in the game for a long time. We still deal with the stuff that we dealt with on day one of being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. We just can navigate it in such a different way now. It just comes with time and experience. So stop beating yourself up. If you don't know how to navigate this in the beginning, nobody does. And so you just have to get in the game. I think if I titled the book anything else, it would be get in the game. Like, let's stop Uh, playing small. Let's get in the game. I love that. Um, How have you dealt with rejection then recently with people? Because... I want to be very honest. I'm always trying to be extremely honest and transparent with my audience. And even now, 
as an adult with what we've done, getting rejected right now, still freaking stings. I still have to process it. I still have to like emotionally equalize. So how do you actually handle that? Especially when it's someone maybe that you've trusted or maybe that you've considered like has your back. True. So I've had a few instances like that. And you're right. I've had to take a moment and let it sting. Like, ooh, that one hurts. And typically I'll go to my husband or a good girlfriend and say, can we talk this out a minute? And so I'll have to say like, I'm feeling this way and I don't think it's fair that they did this or I'm so hurt that they, I just have to have that moment. Okay, so the venting. Yes, I have to vent. I got to talk it out. Mm -hmm. And then once I do, I have to remind myself that everything is not about me. This is a lesson I've learned in entrepreneurship for many, many years where someone might've said no to me, but I have no idea if that's about me or about them. They might have something else going on. They might have an issue with me based on their own issues with themselves. I have no clue. Mm. It's the story you make up in your head Mm. that's gonna determine everything, right? Everything's a perspective, a story. So what I've learned is I need to choose a different story. So that stung, what if they don't like me or what is it about me? No, no, I'm gonna make up a different story that's going to serve me. I have no idea what's going on in their life right now. I wish them well. What's next is better. I literally choose a different story. That's way more gracious than me. <laughs> what do you do? Because you so, get over it. So what yeah. do you do? Oh, okay. So I've got these. I almost have these different buckets. Okay. So I process like you. Okay. Okay. I've reached out. They've said no. This is about me. Yes. Okay. Maybe it's not about me, but let's say they've said no because they don't think I'm going to do well for their channel. Let's yes. just say, right? And now it's like, well, it's their yeah, business. You don't know for sure. No, but let's okay. just say. Okay. So I reach out to someone. This actually happened okay. to me. About four years ago, this person was huge. Okay. They had a catastrophic thing happen to them. They reached out to us and Tom agreed to have them on his show okay. to support their new venture. Okay. Now, we didn't think they were going to do well. It was like, it was just support your homie. Okay. That that's it. This person means a lot to you. Support them. So we have them on the show. They then catapult into um huge stardom okay bigger than they were okay i reach out to them six months ago i'm already mad yeah i'm already mad what's coming yeah i reach out to them about six months the first favor we've ever asked in four years and they said no now in that moment my husband who is very emotionally sober goes yeah but babe you may not be good for his channel like for him that was like no big deal tom was so right but if you're bad for his channel why would he have you on and in that reply i said you have your friend's backs. Like I have, and look, that doesn't mean that someone else is bad. You even said earlier, it's not good or bad. It's just a value system. And this is where I had to work through it. I have a value system that says, when someone has been there for you, you show up for them. If that means an episode fucking tanks, an episode fucking tanks. Yes. But you, what is your priority? What do you value more? Now, here's the caveat. I understand that this may make me a worse businesswoman. I understand I have to be honest with myself. If I was on their channel and did bad yeah. versus not on their channel and not tank their episode, from a business standpoint, okay. I can go. It's better for them from a business standpoint. They don't have me on. But my value system says, even if that was true, if, I've, if someone's had my back, you show up for them. So now I go, I've got a different value system to I was going to say, so it's, you just have a different value system. But now here's the other thing. I'll never do that for them again. And I think You've burnt that's your okay. Bridge. 
You're in my black book. Yes. Like I was going to say, you have a different value system and now you have to decide, are you going to separate yourself from that person now? They do not get an opinion. They don't get a vote anymore. Yes. And that's your prerogative. And I think that's a lot of growth right there to say, I'm going to own this. Like they might think something totally different, but this is my value system. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to navigate this way. That I think is really powerful. Did it feel good when you finally got to the point that you're like, okay, but screw that. If they ever come back to me, I'm done. Um, Did you get to a place of peace? So yes, until they came back to us. Oh, geez. (laughs) (laughs) This has become even more complicated, right? And here's then the difference between me and my husband. My husband being my business partner isn't an emotional human when it comes to business. So this opportunity comes. He comes to me. He's like, what do you think? I said, fuck no, mate. (laughs) And he's like, as your business partner, I respect you. But as your business partner, I'm telling you, you're making a wrong business decision. Ooh. And I had to emotionally um, equalize, hear what he said, take it for truth. Okay. And yet still be confident in my decision that I'm the type of person that will show up for my friends. And if you don't show up for me, if I ever reach out, I just know who you are. Yes. Okay. So while I was watching you kind of go through that, it was so interesting, all the different aspects, I realized... The thing I love about entrepreneurship the most is that we each individually get to call the shots. So sometimes when my business is not going as well as I want and I'm complaining to my husband or I'm frustrated with somebody or whatever, he always teasingly says like, you should talk to your boss about that. Meaning like, oh, I do get to call the shots. I can work with who I want and I can say no to who I don't want to work with. That does not happen in the nine to five world. You don't always get to choose the relationships and navigate them how you want. You do though, like you can decide never to work with that person again and no one else gets a say. I mean, Tom does, of course, but if you guys work out that together. Yeah, we have a respect. Very much. If you show that card where you're like, this is, this is important to me. This is not okay. Yes. And I love that kind of respect and love. So again, being an entrepreneur means you call the shots. You create the life and the business that you want on your terms. Mm. There's nothing else like that in this world, I think. I think that's what makes it so special. You call the shots. Just like you with your book, right? You even admit that you were scared to write a book. You have that like imposter syndrome, if you will, that who am I to write a book? Is anyone actually gonna like it? But you still got the deal. You still wrote the book. You put it out there without any guarantee without any guarantee. And I think it comes down to what matters most to me, a a book that gets all the accolades or a book that literally even, what if it just changed one woman's life? I mean, I really do believe in the value of one life like that. And so I just have to believe, I know it's going to change many women's Mm -hmm. lives. I need to focus more on that than all the ego that could get tied up in this. So that's been a really beautiful lesson, hard lesson for me to learn along the way. Oh God, where can people find you, your book, Two Weeks Notice, and all the amazing things you're putting out into the world? Thank you so much for asking. So twoweeksnoticebook.com. I've got fun bonuses when you order the book and all these great details. So twoweeksnoticebook.com. You can buy it anywhere where books are sold. And um, I think... You know, I have a podcast called Online Marketing Made Easy. And on that podcast, I get to talk about things about entrepreneurship and mindset and making these pivots in your life. So if you like this conversation and you want more, that's a great resource as well. Guys, guys, please, please go check her out. Check out her book right now. Honestly, please, please do like this, share it. Put in the comments, what was the thing that really hit you today? Really want to hear from you. And then tell your homies for us to be able to make change 
globally, we've got to start sharing this, talking about it, talking about the real stuff, the no BS stuff that us women really need to discuss. So go tell them, tell them to check out this episode. And if you're not following me, follow me at Lisa Bilyeu. And if you're not subscribed, click the subscribe button down there. And until next time, guys, be the hero of your own life. Peace.